are back. Person of interest with me, Natalie Jones. What's going on, y'all? This week we have Hannah Lowen. Hannah Lowen is the VP of Operations and General Manager at New Riff Distilling here in the tri-state area in Cincinnati. They're technically located in northern Kentucky, but it's all the same if you really got to know. But the good thing about it is it is important, though, when it comes to bourbon. So New Riff Distilling makes premier bourbon. They've been around for three years, and their bourbon is already worldwide known, and it is um, breaking records, and it has won awards, and it's honestly delicious. I'm not really the biggest bourbon drinker myself, but whenever I do, I drink New Riff, and I love getting cocktails made with it. It's delicious. Hannah is such a bad bee. Her professional trajectory has been all over the place. She was in politics on the West Coast, amongst other things, and she came home about 10 years ago now here to the Tri-State area and has been with New Riff since the beginning, since before they had bourbon that was ready to sell, since before there was a building. They're actually now expanding, and they're going to build. Let's see, they're expanding, and they're going to um, up production by 50%. Over COVID, they raised over $135,000 for the food and bev community here in the Tri-State. She knows what's up. She's a brand new mom to a beautiful baby boy with her and her partner. And enjoy. I had such a blast talking to this chick, and I can't wait to drink some bourbon with her. Hannah Lowen, everybody. And if you would like any more information about New Riff, go to newriffdistilling.com. Hannah, so you've been with New Riff since the beginning, since, since before there was a building. Yeah, since the gets, the get-go. And now you are the VP. Well, what were you were you brought on as the VP of operations and general manager? No, I didn't. I there was like no title. I I joined New Riff with Ken, who's the owner of the company, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm starting a distillery. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Come help." Yeah. Um. And I just showed up. There was like no name or title. Mm-hmm. I think at some point I was like officially deemed the general manager like a few years later and then like promoted to officially being the vice president of operations but when we started i was just like the person who figured stuff out for many years which was very fun wow yeah you know what though and and i hate to say this as a woman and you know um that you're one of the only women in your position in the bourbon world you know are there very many other women there are you know what's so interesting is like there actually are really i mean it is a heavily male industry, yeah. but like there are lots of women in leadership positions, especially at some of like the bigger global companies oh, and really? the craft companies. It's changing a lot. So I don't know exactly how many operations people there are, mm-hmm. but it's probably more than you would expect. Okay. Good I to think know. that like the inside of the industry is actually a little bit more progressive than like the public and the customer base, if that makes sense. It like, does, yeah. There's a lot of women. There's, yeah. So, um, well, like women drinking bourbon groups are really popular now. Yeah. And I feel like, Which like, is awesome. the more that I looked into it, I'm like, oh, there was a, this whole other world. I want to say underbelly, but underground. Mm-hmm. Underground world of bourbon drinkers that is still really thriving. I know it was like, I consider myself the mainstream, the non-hip when it mm-hmm. comes to drinking stuff. Yeah. And I what does that, that mean? You're like a white claw girl? I mean, I, no, I'll just drink anything. Yeah. But I don't get into any particular thing. It's like thing. whatever is in front of you is yes. your move. Okay. I, and I don't, I don't go out of my way to learn new recipes sure. or anything. If yeah. I go someplace and it looks cool, then that's fine. But um, it turns out, and no, I can't handle white claws. I get clawed too often. You know, <laughs> it's just no. I've... Uh, I've never had a white claw. You're missing nothing. Don't tell me. Don't. Have you ever had a vibe? I've never had a vibe. Or any sort of seltzer? My feeling on seltzer is like, I just want seltzer, and then I'll put liquor in it. Yeah. 
Sorry, the seltzers to me are like aren't enjoyable. And I'm like, if I want to have a cocktail, like or a drink, you know, to me now yeah. it's all about like enjoying the moment with my friends and sipping on a great cocktail. And I drink, drink I drink shitty beer. So I'm me still too. I'm like I'm like I don't care if it's 150 calories, like I will drink Same. the hams or whatever is available. So I, I haven't crossed that line. I think I'd rather drink shitty beer than drink white claws. They have more alcohol in them and they cost more. And I'm like, I don't really get this just yeah, it's a high low combo. Super delicious, like fancy well-made cocktail is my mm-hmm. favorite then wine of what is open is the style i like <laughs> yes and then bad beer <laughs> girl we should we're the same yeah we're this i totally Wonderful. feel you on that i've never heard of the wine what is open that is what i will go That's with the now. varietal i drink yes. Yes. <laughs> um but yeah so there's this whole thriving community of bourbon drinkers and a lot of female bourbon drinkers, you know? Absolutely. And I feel like, as, as I was saying, people, I don't know, like, don't know that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. I mean, it's been changing a lot the last, like, 20 years. But I think probably women have always been drinking bourbon. Yeah. It's just never been publicized or talked about or yeah. marketed to. But, you know, there's lots of, like, scientific studies that I cannot cite, so don't ask me, that okay. show that, like, women have more sophisticated palettes, actually. Um, not mine. Mine is very blunt. But, like, they like to drink bourbon, too. Yeah. And so there are lots of groups and clubs that are popping up. Because there's definitely kind of a side of the, like, bourbon nerds, which we call ourselves and, and our nerds affectionately, of, like, you know, you know your – it's like sports. It's like you got to, like, know all the stats and everything. Yeah. And so I think it can be a little intimidating if you're a person who's, like, entering and you want to know more, but you, like, enter a conversation mm-hmm. in a bourbon club where everybody is, like, quoting these bottles they have from releases. They're like, have you had the, you know, wild turkey six from spring of 20? And you're like, I don't know what's happening. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's now some, like, less intimidating paths to yeah. enter. And there's a lot of women in the industry, and not, like, working in it, but that know bourbon, who are so knowledgeable that are also kind of, like, sharing that back the other direction, which mm-hmm. is cool, too. So um, there's some great ones in Kentucky, nationally, like, right here in Cincinnati. Yeah, well, so New Riff is... I mean, one of the best, one of the best now. You guys are super new, and you're also one of the best, which is crazy. And now you're on the bourbon trail. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's we are new. Like, in bourbon life, yeah. it, we're babies. Yeah. Like, we've been open for almost seven years, and that means we're, like, itty-bitty tiny toddlers because yeah. there are brands that have been around for, like, hundreds of years. Itty-bitty tiny toddlers. Yeah. Well, but hold on, but doesn't bourbon take, like, 15 years to make and sit or whatnot? How Not long does necessarily. Bourbon take? Okay. So there's technically... You know, there's actually laws. There's a law from like 1967 about that defines what bourbon is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just says it has to be aged in a new charred oak barrel. There's actually not an age definition on bourbon. Then there's other mm-hmm. laws. Like there's a law from the 1800s, the Bottled and Bond Act, which all of New Riff's products like follow this law because it's like a quality standard that says it has to be aged at least four years. So okay. there are some legal standards. And then there's like the kind of customary acknowledgement that like bourbon is better at at least four years. A lot of people would say the sweet spots between like six and eight years. And then there are tons of products that are aged older and older and older. But like most bourbon is you're not going to get over 15 years for a couple of reasons. One, it just kind of gets like overcooked, Mm -hmm. like because it's in new wood the balance of like wood and char just eventually kind of like dominates and it gets kind of like 
musty and ah, old. okay. The other thing is that it evaporates out of the barrel. So like every year, you put in so many gallons. You put in 53 gallons of fresh bourbon mm-hmm. into a barrel. Every year, you're losing a certain percentage. And so like su- it's hot in Kentucky in the summers. Like this stuff evaporates. That's how. I never even thought about that. How I wonder, so when you walk into those rooms, is it like, ooh, is yeah. that a- so you get, yeah. a little, get a little stony. Yeah, they call it the angel's share. Like, it's, there's, like, evaporated water and alcohol. Wow, it's just, like, yeah. I trimmed weed for a long time, and I don't smoke weed or eat it or yeah. do it, ingest it at all, but from just from it being on my fingertips and under my fingernails, mm-hmm. I was oh, I was a little loopy there for months. Yeah. It was great. I don't think it would, like, get you a buzz, but no, you, can, but yeah. you can feel it and smell it. And so, yeah, like, it evaporates out of the barrel. So you might crack open a 20-year-old bourbon barrel that's been, think about Kentucky summers. Mm-hmm. It's hot. Mm. It's humid. It's cold in the winter yeah. that, like, is almost empty. And here's the kicker. In Kentucky, where, like, 95% of the world's bourbon and the best bourbon in the country Amen. Um, is made, you pay a thing called the ad valorem tax, which is, like, a very special tax just on aged bourbon. And you pay it every year, even if when you open the barrel, it's empty. So there's also, like, a financial equation that distilleries are making of, like, how much whiskey are you even going to have to pull out of the barrel that you've paid taxes on for 25 years? Wow. Yeah. Very. So when you started, so when you joined the team of New Riff, had they had, did they have booze and barrels that they were, that they were no. waiting on? No. So on? I, I uh, joined the team when uh, we were like building the distillery. So the plans had been drawn for the actual mm-hmm. distillery. We had a master distilling consultant who like was going to train our team, but we hadn't made anything. And we had purchased some other barrels that someone else made that we ended up bottling and selling under a different brand. We were always really careful to be like, this is a product we're happy to share with you. It's fantastic. We blended it, but, but it we didn't not. distill it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like, cause we waited it four years for our product. So the four, yeah. first four years we were open, we opened in 2014 until 2018. Like you came to the distillery and we were like, we're making it. And it's aging, but we don't have anything for you I know. I thought that was um, confusing, to be honest. So it was – but so you guys opened your doors in – and so what did you guys do during that time? We gave tours. We made mm-hmm. gin. We, sh- we still make gin. It's fantastic. It's award-winning gin. It actually mm-hmm. just won, like, a big, big award at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. It was, Can- like, double gold. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh, Congratulations. Um, I drank it, but I didn't know all of this about it. Were yeah. you there at the competition or whatnot? No, we sent it off. I mean, they didn't have it in person this year. Um, oh, yeah. Done. Shit. So we had gin. We had our tasting bar. And we had an event center, which we still have, which, of course, yeah. also has had a very rough year. But So we were, like, essentially trying to meet our community, if you will. Like, the idea was, okay, someone had a wedding at the distillery. Or we did a tasting or Q did like a lunch yeah. that people would come and they'd have a really nice experience at New Riff. And then we knew that four years later, they might like see the bottle and be like, I remember that place. Yeah. I was at my cousin's wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like it kind of worked. And we did some other fun programs um, around like we had a membership program of our kind of early adopters. And we called our Rangers. So they're about just shy of 5,000 people that basically pre-purchased a bottle before they had ever tasted it. Wow. Uh, they kind of took a chance on us. Four years later, they got to come fill their own bottle. It's personalized. It's a very special club. They get, like, early access to stuff and discounts. But that's closed now. They were kind of, like, the people who took a chance on us, and we love them dearly. I'm yeah. a ranger, too. Um, so we we tried our best, but it was hard. I mean, financially, it was very difficult. It's a super capital-intensive industry to enter like mm-hmm. when you get 
10, 15 years out in distilling, like, eh, it's looking pretty good. But the first decade, it's just like, God, the spending first money, decade? Money, money. Yeah. Man. Because, like, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, build infrastructure. You know, you're making these barrels, then you have to have warehouses to put them in. Like, we just built a new warehouse in Newport. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's giant. It seems huge. It's going to be, like, full by early 2023. We're going to have to build another one wow yeah so it just they it keeps going and going and going but um you know you're only you're only in that starting phase for a little bit all of a sudden it seems very far away and so because you your um your work history is very diverse so you're from this you like well you're from louisville Mm -hmm. and then you moved kind of like from east coast to west coast yeah Doing a variety of things, you were working in like what, what marketing and also nonprofits. Yep, I moved out and to events. Yeah, I moved out to Oregon, to Portland to work for a nonprofit. I like went for a fellowship that was about organizing and getting young people involved in politics. Things I still very much believe in, you know, like voting, etc. Yeah. Um, ended up working at that organization for a handful of years, and I kind of was doing. I was like doing operations there too, yeah, and management, um, and then left Oregon. Went back to the East Coast, was in New York for a while before I came here. So, gotcha. Um, just bounced around. But I kind of was doing similar yeah, stuff, I was just say, in a completely like... different industry. And I've always been, like, when I was younger and in odd jobs, have always worked in food and drink. Like, it's yeah. not so foreign. Like, I've worked well, in a million delis and restaurants and these things. Does there, because I feel like that your work experience just led you to where you are now, and you were like, oh, yeah, finally, like, there's one job that I can do all the things that I've been doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to realize mm. that like managing is a job and a skill. I mean, I think when it is you're, an art form you to just do it well. Yeah, it really is. If you haven't been if you haven't, you know, when I was 23, my idea is that a manager was just a person who was like doing the same job. But all this. But they were the manager. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was like things about it that you need to learn how to do and um I feel like that human side is definitely where my like expertise and talent lie and so that's been really fun to find a place where like oh this is needed and a person who's you know I like heard the cats and it's changed a lot over time but initially it was like we had our team that was making whiskey I don't make any whiskey the guys and gals that make our whiskey are fantastic I never ran events I never sold the whiskey. I was the person in the middle that was like, how do we all talk to each other? Like, how are we all moving in the right direction Um, and filling a lot of those things that as we've grown, like other people have moved into those roles. And um, so it's been fun. Yeah. Well, it seems like, I mean, every place, especially from the beginning, needs needs a mama bear. And you are the mama bear. I definitely have some mama bear in me, that's for sure. You know, to ask kind of an off-the-wall question, do you think that this, do you think that your role has um, changed and you've changed since you've become a mom? That's a good question. The way that you are approaching it? Yeah. Um, Because it's so, like, muddled with COVID, to be honest, because, like, I became a mom during the pandemic, so it's hard to separate, like, what parts of things have changed because of yeah, the pandemic and what parts have changed because we have a kid like um, I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like the most recent change is like going back to the office after getting vaccinated and mm-hmm. that return to other humans has been joyous for me. Like I'm an extrovert with a capital E like that was everyone is going to have their own trauma. Right. After yeah. This year, like <laughs> being alone <laughs> and like 
being on Zoom all that. Like that just didn't work for me. I I know no. so many people who are like, this is actually really nice. Like I'm gonna do hybrid work forever if I can. I'm like, not me. Never again. No. Hate it. Back to the office. So I'm the same way. That doesn't even have anything to do with kids. And like that's the biggest thing that changed about work is like the way we communicated and that kind of interconnective tissue was so strained. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if anything's really changed. I mean, there's a part of me that like has had to let go of some control mm-hmm. because like I have to pick him up. You know? Yeah. It's like it's five o'clock. I'm like, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Like I have to I have a <laughs> child. And like when you when I get home, it's like I wanna be present with him. Yeah. And with my what? Like, we want to be able to hang out, too. It's like now all of a sudden you have these very precious hours where you're like, he's asleep. I'm not tired yet. We've got 45 minutes to, like, hang out. Like, you know, (laughs) yesterday we, like, went on. It was beautiful out. Yeah. We went on a walk and he fell asleep on the walk. And I was like, let's drink this beer really fast. And, like, sat in the sun (laughs) and had a beer, you know, as quick as possible. So I feel like it makes you a little bit more productive in some ways because I'm like yeah. you know whereas before I'm like well sit around and chat because I can just like be here till 6 30 you know I'm just gonna do yeah. what I need to do but other than that I don't know if it's changed me maybe I don't know I'm gonna ask some co-workers if they're like now you're tired and angry <laughs> well it seems like you already had like the mama bear thing down and I feel like I've witnessed other people in my life change like their work mode changed dramatically when they became a parent. Mm. Maybe because they were really mature before and being a parent made them grow up. Maybe yeah. you already were. Yeah. I see it a lot in men and I'm women sure. as well, but like, it's a yeah. good question. I should I ask see somebody. I mean, honestly, like the first half of the year, I was, I'm like a really good sleeper. Oh, jealous. Just such good sleep. You always go. have been. I'm you a Taurus. We're like, we're all about luxury and being <laughs> grounded. So we're like good sleepers. But, I had to mention it. Um, uh, so not sleeping was like very hard. And I feel like I, I like could feel not being able to like focus and screwing things up. And I was like, this is new to me. Like, so now that he's sleeping <laughs> through the night, I feel like I've returned. It's given, you know what it has given me? What? A little bit more patience and grace with others. Beautiful. Because I'm like, everyone's just doing their best. You know what I mean? Yes. And, but that's kind of COVID too. I'm like, listen, everyone's just trying. Like, let's not be judgmental. Unless you're like a real asshole. And then yeah. I will still judge you harshly. But um, I feel like just being in a position where all of a sudden I was the one that was like, I'm sorry, I'm late. Like, <laughs> I like, I'm never late. I've like, I am never late. Unless no, you were early. You were here before. You were here before this. It. Yeah. I like try. I have to plan like at parties. I have to be like. You're going on time 45 minutes late, so I'm not, like, the first person at a party. Yeah. I have to, like, plot that. It doesn't happen naturally. But, like, sometimes I'm late now because my kid, you know, yeah, blows it out on the way to wherever, <laughs> and you have to stop. And so I feel like my brain pre-child is like, there's no reason anyone should ever be late. Like, try harder. Yeah. Build in a bigger buffer. And now I'm like, I'm sure something happened. Right. That's so, yeah. So maybe that's what it is. Just <laughs> wow. I mean, patience. like whether you realize that that or not, that's a big deal. That's a big shift. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for pointing it out. Yeah. I haven't really stopped to think about it. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Also, so speaking of the pandemic, you guys did something really fantastic over the pandemic. You sold a, um, you had all these bottles of bourbon just hanging around, 15 year bourbons, and you sold them in like what, 10 minutes and two raised minutes. two? Yeah. Two. That is 120 seconds 
Yeah. And I was like, how many? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he raised like what, like $138,000? It was awesome. That is crazy. And so can you walk, tell us about that story. Like yeah. How all that, well, how did this happen? You know, we, as like the year went on, it was becoming more obvious that like yeah. things were not like turning around. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was towards the end of last year. We actually, as far as the production side of our business, like the event center, tours, the bars were shut down. But like selling whiskey, people were drinking. They were just drinking at home. And so I feel like we actually did okay as far as like surviving, you know, we didn't have to like fire a bunch of people. Like we we were doing yeah. all right. And we're looking at our friends in the industry who were like really, really struggling. Bars, restaurants, like ho- hotels, yeah. our hospitality crew. Like it was rough. And so we were like, we should try to help. And we were, you know, kind of throwing out ideas that were like, well, we could donate a dollar of a bottle, you know, a dollar per sale, blah, blah, blah. We actually had a fun conversation with our buddies at the um, Cincinnati Bourbon Society who were like, no, let's do something bigger. And they kind of prodded us. And then we remembered. So these like this whiskey we had when we opened, right, that was not ours. We didn't distill it, but we had bought it. We like saved some barrels. Mm. We retired. That brand went extinct. We actually sold that brand. Gotcha. Um, But we saved some barrels can you tell us the name of that that or? brand used to be called oki okay that was what we had we sold oki there's awesome guys that are running that brand now that have different juice still exists still exists their juice is still flowing. but it's just not new riff anymore so we had saved a few of these barrels and we had always been like you know what we'll do something with it someday maybe on our 20th year anniversary we'll give all the staff a bottle like you know whatever we'll yeah. see we'll say we literally were like we'll save it for a rainy day so when we started talking about how to raise money it was like bing a light bulb went off and i was like oh my god we have these bottles like it's also kind of a challenge because those the barrels the blend of the barrels there were four of them only yielded 896 bottles so like it's not going to go very far for us to bottle it and sell it 896 that seems like a lot but that's not a lot it is but like not you know, a, a normal release is like thousands and thousands. Yeah. Of, okay. Of yeah, yeah. So it it's not it can't go very far. You're kind of in a situation where like everyone's going to be kind of mad that they didn't get it. So we were like, let's use these. They're 15 years old. They're fantastically delicious. Also, there's kind of a cult following around this brand, the brand that previously existed, which of course we didn't call it this because the brand's been sold. But like the people who knew knew mm, what it was. If you know, then you know. If you know, then you know. Hashtag KYKY. K-Y, right. Whatever. <laughs> You better, like, do something on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we knew that there would be, like, a big interest in it, and we sold the bottles for $200 each. And then basically uh, I think it was, like, $150 of that 200 was a straight donation. We, you know, covered our cost and made sure we could pay all of our taxes and everything. And so we sold them online. Two minutes. Two minutes. 896 bottles? And, and I mean, I can't tell you how many people were upset that they didn't get a bottle. I mean, it was an impossible scenario. Oh my there were like thousands of people who wanted them. There were 896. They sold out in two minutes. And just like, it was so cool. We wrote those checks. We split it on the Ohio, Kentucky side. Yeah. And it went to like individuals in $300 grants. So we wow. were happy to do it. You know, it's, I feel like some of these, like, you know, they're friends in the industry that like literally we had conversations with them four years ago. They were like, hi, we just opened like want our gin. Yeah. And they were willing to be like, this is, you know, yeah, we'll listen to you. Mm-hmm. newbies, And like put it on their cocktail menu. And like that community has been so supportive of us that we were like, this is kind of the least we can do to 
to help. Yeah. Um, so we were happy to be able to do it. I mean, that is just so rad. I mean, that is like, so 300 people divided by how many? Well, it was, no, it was $300. $300, yeah. So, I can't remember. It's like five or 600 grants or something. Oh, my God, girl. That is so about. awesome. Yeah. And so, and this happened just like kind of recently? Yeah, we did it in... February, March. I mean, so cool because now, I mean, so let's talk about, so as the pandemic in the, in the food and bev industry, whatnot, I just got to come out and say it like y'all got fucked the hardest and I'm so sorry. And it just doesn't, the whole, this whole past year just didn't seem fair or, or right. The whole thing. And I like, I li uh, lived and worked and supported my life pretty much solely from food and bev mm -hmm. until I got this job in the radio. Yep. And I'm just like so blessed that I wasn't in it anymore. But like how it just doesn't seem, it seemed like y'all really got the brunt end of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I will say that like we knew Riff was very lucky. Like the producers did okay. Like we all did okay because mm -hmm. like people were going to retail stores to buy bottles. And so we were able to make it. But yeah, our like brothers and sisters and friends in the yeah. industry did. I mean, it was really, it's like there was the reality. I mean, I, you know. I'm not like an expert enough to to say anything about it except for like it was really really hard. Yeah. I feel like it's going to have impacts for a long time. Like we know now. I mean literally yesterday they're like the mask guideline changed and as a small business we're trying to figure it out and we're not a bar. Yeah. You know what I mean and like everybody's having trouble like people have left the industry. People are like you know, in positions where they don't have childcare right now or yeah. their kids aren't in school, so they can't, like, come back to work mm -hmm. or they're like, well, I need health. I mean, there's just a, a million there's reasons. There's so many factors it's, going it's on. Now it's like all these businesses adapted and did so well. We lost so many places. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, now we're open again. Like, good luck. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I hope that as we come out of it, society will, like, value people who work in the service industry the same as they value you know like remember in the beginning when they were like grocery store workers or frontline workers and it took a pandemic to like respect someone who's working at a grocery store yeah that's a really good point so i hope as as we leave it people are going to be like well i do want to go back out to eat and like these restaurants don't have enough staff like maybe we should pay them more Maybe they should get health insurance. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm hoping comes out of it. But it's it has been a very, very rough year. Who knows? And like, we'll see as everything is changing every day. I think it by maybe like by this point, everyone just has more. Uh, more grace for everything. I hope so. Just like, I mean, it'll iron itself out. A new normal will will come eventually. Who knows what to expect until I know. Then. Like, we, we were saying yesterday, my my wife and I were, like, talking about, you know, every generation has its, like, life-changing thing. Mm -hmm. And I think for, like, at least my generation, I think we're in the same generation, like, you know, 9-11 happened and changed the world. There have been wars going on, but, like, it, it it's not, like, this global, everybody experienced it, and it's going to change the world forever. Yeah. And I feel like we're in it we are. right now. We it are. feels like maybe there's some hope, but <laughs> I think that'll I, – I hope that's the positive part. I feel like there are things that have happened, like, that people just are a little bit more chill. I mean, maybe it's because everyone's, like, wearing elastic pants. Like, every, like have you noticed everyone's – Wearing elastic I mean, pants are, right now. Yours are amazing, but I feel like everything <laughs> has gone like three clicks more casual. And I'm yeah. like, this is nice. nice. <laughs> this is good. You know, I recently read um, that 
like science says that when you're feeling like stressed and overwhelmed, having comforting things on you, like a blanket or a sweater mm-hmm. or stretch pants, physically like your body and your cells like react to it as like legit comfort. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's why all of us are all starting to wear comforting clothes. But what regardless, like I guess it's a form of self-help. So. It is. And, you know, we did, we've been having like, some staff gatherings again because like most of the people at New River are vaccinated we have like some nice outdoor spaces and we did this go round with their team we like split it up half and half and I was like all right you know what'd you learn in the last year like what are you looking forward to what music are you listening to right now and I was like I'll start so you guys see how long I was like I don't want anybody to talk for 15 minutes like this should be a go round yeah and I was like I learned that I don't like being alone it's not good for me blah 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 and then almost the whole rest of our team was like I didn't mind <laughs> so <laughs> one of my coworkers, a guy named Jay who is amazing was like you know what I learned that I want to be invited to the party but I don't want to go and then like five other people were like yeah me yeah, too me and I too. was like I want to be invited. I want to go. I want to stay. I'm going to be early. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be early. I'm going to sit in my car before the party starts and then show up late. It, it, I just feel like people have had a lot of time to reflect. Yeah. Too. I mean, I'm kind of jealous of like a lot of my friends have like learned something new or learned about themselves or like picked up a cool new hobby or talent and i'm like i just like chased around a thing that threw up and shat you became a mom i know which is awesome but i'm but i'm also like we didn't like do i mean we did a a raising of a child but we didn't like i just feel like everyone's coming out of the pandemic being like i know how to make bread ah yeah i lost whatever amount of pounds because now i do this and i'm like i mean i I have this beautiful little human that i live with who Mm -hmm. i love but i'm like i don't do anything (laughs) you're just so humble that's why you are how you are and and fucking freaking sorry i'm keep cussing freaking fantastic because i can say i lost and gained 10 pounds five times learned how to bake a bunch of cookies gained 10 pounds stopped making the cookies right Um, everybody did that i learned how to make scones like before he was born in the very beginning i was like this is a perfect time scones are super easy to make and like made scones every weekend and then we're like let's scale that back yep yep (laughs) Because then I started making clotted cream. That what was... does that even mean? Okay. It sounds like my, it sounds like cottage cheese on my butt. It is. It definitely is. Clotted cream is like a British. This was during the time of Great British Bake Off part of <gasps> oh, COVID. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It's a British cream, which is basically like it's kind of butter, but it's not butter. It's called clotted cream. You take – this is how you make it, I learned. You take – heavy cream and you put it in the oven like in a pan on super low forever for Mm -hmm. like 24 hours and like somehow it separates the water from the fat but you're not churning it okay and then you scrape that off and like whip it so it's like if butter and whipped cream had a baby it would be clotted cream and it's fantastic on scones sounds amazing so i spent you know like a week preparing my scones and clotted cream to then have like a giant jar of just like fat in the refrigerator that I didn't finish but it was like that's what you were doing in April of last yeah, year you know for sure April last year was so much fun I was doing the same things I was really into making butter I had this one experiment where I duct tape a jar of um, like heavy whipping cream yeah. to my belly and went on my morning run which is like that's five how you miles at the time it. I tried didn't really work did you have like something in it to shake it 
No, it was, that's what you got to do? I remember I'm having a flashback to like third grade where we took like baby food jars and you put like cl- a clean pebble in it. Oh. You need something to like agitate it. I didn't know that. Were that you... is so fun. See, that's what I mean. I didn't think of yeah. how to make butter while jogging. <laughs> like that's an innovation. <laughs> well, it didn't work. So, Ugh. man, were you a Girl Scout when you were younger? No. Oh, I wish I was. Because what you just said is Girl Scout vibes written all over. I definitely like have a uh, like a I, scout. A scout. Yeah. As long as it, issue, but like for, but for indoor stuff, like we were talking about before we got off. Because <laughs> you're not. I'm not, not trying a, to like pull the poison ivy to find out what it is. Like, gotcha. I don't like snakes. I don't like. You don't bugs. like going to music festivals. I, I feel love like, a music festival. Okay, but that's, that's like a grassy knoll usually. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I, I feel like. Bourbon-esque in my experience with, you know, bluegrass music. Bourbon's always there outside, barefoot. Grass, outside, fire pit. Check, 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 check. Here's what I don't like. The woods. Ah, you don't like the woods? I don't like the feeling of what if there's an emergency and I have to run to someone's house (laughs) to use the phone and I get to their house and then they human centipede me. Yeah. That's the whole like point of being out in the woods of like I'm just gonna. That's you know why I love being out in the woods so much because I love turning my all my electronics off or like t- turning them off, leaving them in the car, and then just disappearing for a while. I'm I I wish that's how I felt. If something I happens, then it happens. I, I think that like, you know how your parents like make a real imprint on you. Like my parents just we never camped, and my dad in fact is like. Camping ah. is stupid. When I moved to Oregon, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. you can just like drive, just pull off on some logging road and you're in like the most beautiful place. And mm-hmm. my friends were like, camping? Because I thought camping meant you hiked in with all your shit. And they were like, ah. no, we're going to blow up an air mattress. We brought like a gourmet cheese board. And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. So I camped yeah, in Oregon dude. all the time. I had a portable hammock just in my car. See? Yep. My dad was like, you fucked up. I raised you wrong because I was like <laughs> telling him I was camping. But it's not like that here. Like if you go camping, we went camping in the gorge. Mm-hmm. My wife was like, we're going camping. And I was like, cool. We pull up to this parking spot <laughs> in the woods and there's like signs everywhere that are like, beware, copperhead snakes. And I was like, this is why I don't camp. It's, <laughs> it's I'm not trying to get bitten. <laughs> They're like, just make sure you close your tent so a snake doesn't get in. I'm like, absolutely not. Oh, my God. I like, I mean, same, same, same. And I think that camping took a whole new turn for me when I moved to, like, the beach first and, like, camped on the beach and just, like, lived really minimally, like, on a boat and, like, out of a backpack for months. Yeah. And then moved to the mountains. And camping the mountains, we wouldn't even make a tent. You just bring your, you just sleep under the stars. You just, like, pull up to a beautiful spot and, like, make a party. And you have a party. And then you eat food around a fire. Yeah. And then you fall asleep. Yeah. But, like, you're not worried about, like, a thousand mosquitoes eating you. Yeah, no. Bears, for sure. Bears, for sure. And, like, mountain lions. We just took risks. So here's the thing. This is where the new ref- whiskey comes in. If you drink enough bourbon, you just fall you asleep. really, you know, bad, good. <laughs> I actually, it's funny you're saying that. I, I am having this, like, exacting perfect vision of a friend of mine. When we were out there, we were, have you ever been to Crater Lake? In Oregon? No, I've never been to Oregon. Okay, next, I can't believe I've never next been there. Time but you're never on been the there. West Coast. There's a, it, it is the, I would call it like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's a yeah. volcano that explode. You know, whatever a million years ago exploded in. So you go up a mountain and then there's a lake in, the like crater. Cool, yeah. Crater lake, and it's like 
the prettiest blue. Blue, yeah. It's completely still. It's gorgeous. And you camp like around the edge and mm-hmm. then you can jump in. It's, it's so cold. So cold. But we were like camping, you know, we we're all 24, 25. And I just remember my friend, they have um, 175s of Bullet. Have you ever seen them? And they're like, you know, a lot of 175s. The, the really big ones? Yeah, the shape changes. Yeah. It's like a regular bottle. And then the 175 of it is that kind of like handle bottle. Mm-hmm. The Bullet 175 is just a giant yes. version of the bullet bottle. Yes, I did know So that. you just yeah. kind of look like a kid or something. Yeah. And I just, as you were saying that, remembered my friend like finishing the bottle and she like casually tossed it over her shoulder while camping. Like, And I was sitting on a bear box. That's why it made me think of it. Like gotcha. the box where you put your food and we were just like throwing our empty whiskey bottles on the ground. Yeah. We cleaned them up when we left. But, yeah. um, <laughs> that type of camping I'm into. Yeah, that camp- you know, you got to make it fun. You know, I would say like, I mean, I think that like you can do whatever you want. I mean, is it, the more experiences you have like that for camping just totally re-changes, rewrites the definition in your brain. Yeah, I should, I yeah. should, I should try harder to camp here. I just like don't, I don't like, you know what it really boils down to? I don't like bug bites. You know what? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been camping since I've been home. But, I mean, I don't really camp that much here either. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I will say that New Riff, although we don't have 175s, which is something maybe we should consider, is maybe. a wonderful camping companion. It'll keep you warm. It's a sturdy bottle. It is. It fits in a backpack well. You know what? Did I ever tell you a story? The guy who owns, I forget his name. Not the guy, not the guy who owns, but the guy who hosts Amazing Race. Do you know who I'm talking about? Let me Ish. look that up right now. So he came to Cincinnati two years ago. Yeah. When I was on air with my old partner, John, and um, my sister-in-law won the Amazing Race like what? 10 or wow. 20 years ago or whatever. And um, so she's like knows the guy and yeah. all the producer. She's on a personal um, thing with him. Anyway, she hooks us up with the guy. And he was in Cincinnati for something. Was it John Littman? The show is created by executive producers. Yeah. Oh, no, Phil Kagan. Okay. Right, anyway, the story is, so Phil Kagan comes to Cincinnati. My sister-in-law hooked us up and is like, can he come on your show to do some promoting? We yeah. were like, sure. So this is pre-COVID. So he yeah. comes into the comes into the um, to our studio and he mentions, he made a joke about drinking bourbon. And we have, since we have such a great relationship with New Riff, mm-hmm. we had bottles of New Riff around of course, the building. Of course, one does. So we open a bottle of New Riff. And this man just loves it. He mm-hmm. ends up staying our entire four-hour show, drinking all the new bourbon. Oh, no. He didn't drink the whole bottle, but like all three of us just like drank a bunch of bourbon. Yeah, had the most fun. And he, uh, he along with everybody else who drinks new riff or has ever tasted it, was like, he's like, I've been all over the world drinking bourbon, and this is phenomenal and fantastic. Well, and that I was is like, so nice. Here, I need to find him and have. Cord testimonial <laughs> for us. I wish I could find that. I, maybe I can. We should. I should send him a bottle. Actually, say, hey, what's up? Just to say, yeah, hope you're doing okay. But um, yeah, as That's not awesome. as not a bourbon drinker myself, New Riff is delicious. I'm glad you like it. I, I do love it. You know, back to like starting a distillery. The crazy thing is like, you put all of this time and money into it, mm-hmm. and and like you don't actually know. Yeah, how it's going to turn out and like you hire good people and you do the best that you can you have great equipment whatever but I remember when the whiskey was like two or three you know we used to when we opened there were like eight full-time staff mm-hmm. there was like the you know there was like a, a head distiller an assistant distiller and a plant manager like that was our production team and we were tasting the whiskey pulling samples out of the barrel like at three months and at six months and like we were tasting it all the time and it didn't really taste that different 
And I remember us asking our like consulting master distiller. We we're like, when do you guys taste? He was like, we don't taste it until it's at least two. Like he was like, you oh. guys are dumb. Like you don't need to oh. taste it. It would be like opening the oven and like taste, like touching the potato to see if it's cooked like every three minutes. It's like, gotcha. just leave it in there for a second. <laughs> um, but I remember when we started tasting it w- when it was around two and three, like looking at each other and being like this whiskey doesn't suck like we didn't really know what it was going to become but it was clear that it was not bad you know what i mean we were like oh my god is this like this is like okay right guys this is good Mm -hmm. we're like letting other people taste it they're like you guys this is good and so that kind of excitement and energy just like fueled us even more to be like oh my god we're gonna be okay and you know the accolades and the response in the market and in, you know, greater Cincinnati and in Kentucky has just been unbelievable. I mean, like I said, I don't make this whiskey. I take, I cannot take any credit for it, but we really do feel like there's like a lot of love and a lot of good vibes that goes into it. You know, know? and like everything about it, you know, like branding and the, and the, and the, um, the story and the feeling, the family behind anything I think is really important, but it, it also boils down to the product and yeah. it is just really good. Well, thank you. You know? They're so. interrelated. I feel like they're interrelated, though. Like, yeah. I think when your employees are, like, happy and engaged and proud, it, yeah. like, somehow. It does. Those vibes and that energy goes somehow, into it. It I, somehow gets in there. I mean, I it's, been, agree. it's been fun. You know, a lot of, like, our ability to make choices about, like, the quality of the barrels, the suppliers we work with the staff we train comes from the fact that we're independently owned like it's Mm -hmm. family owned we don't have any outside shareholders so like every decision along the way has been about like how do we become like one of the great small distilleries of the world we haven't had to cut corners and that's been an absolute luxury for our distilling team for our staff i mean it's been hard financially for the family who owns the company to like get past these first few years Mm -hmm. but it seems like it's paying off that we're like this world class product didn't just like come out of nowhere. Yeah, like, it was a lot of a lot, lot of TLC of went in there. A lot of TLC. So, um, well, I, I recently um, talked to the woman who believes in cooking for people and how you will receive food differently when it's made for you, especially like mm-hmm. homemade a homemade meal from somebody else that is made intentionally mm-hmm. for you. You're going to like you're going to digest it and like receive it better, and I feel that that um, new riff is is like that bourbon. Oh, this is what I wanted to ask. Yeah, totally. Okay, this is what got me back on it. So, bourbon distilleries can they can there be some in Ohio or what is the Kentucky yeah. what is the Kentucky rule with it? Bourbon has to be made in the United States, so okay. it can be made in any state in the U.S. It, it it has to be made in the U.S. But to be called bourbon, to be called bourbon, it's an American spirit. But it has to be like there's other laws about the barrels and the grains and all these things. But anywhere in the U.S., it's just that most of it and the best stuff is made in Kentucky. Hey, yo, hey, the, the, yo. You know, and there's like lots of history. A coworker of mine could go into great detail. He is our like in-house expert and historian about like, you know, people migrating here. It was like they were from ireland and scotland and they were coming through appalachia and then they were like saw like uh indigenous people using corn and they were like oh we'll just copy them and like make spirit there's so much more to it that was my like 30 second version of it but there's all these migration patterns of like how kentucky became the home of bourbon which is made with corn okay that's the big difference and what's the difference between bourbon and whiskey 
So it's like a square and a rectangle. So you know how okay. all squares are rectangles, uh-huh. but not all rectangles are squares. So yes. whiskey is like the header. That's a spirit distilled from grain versus like vodka, which can be distilled from potatoes, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's definitions of whiskey. So like bourbon is a type of whiskey. Rye is a type of whiskey. Scotch is a type of whiskey. But they're all whiskeys. Okay. But like a rye can't be a bourbon. Like a, a bourbon is defined. Gotcha. Okay. It has yeah, to yeah, be yeah. 51% corn. But they're all types of whiskey. Ah, okay. Rye has to be 51% rye. Okay. Yeah. We could go into that. That's a whole, yeah. a, whole, a whole other thing. So what are the, um what are the, uh what do you, what does New Riff have coming up for 2021? The world is opening. Yeah. Well, some big things, actually. It's fun timing. Um, One are like, a tasting bar is kind of reopening, so we have this beautiful third floor of the distillery. It is gorgeous. We do do a lot of um, events there at Q. Yeah. And I've been up there a bunch, and it's gorgeous. The lighting is beautiful. The way you guys, the decor is great. It's open space. It's cool. Thank you. We love it. It's a nice place to have meetings, too. Just like, there'll be like two of us having a meeting. I'm like, let's meet in the tower room. <laughs> um, because of COVID, like so many of our bookings were canceled and like weddings, you know, all these things are scheduled so far out. We've been hosting essentially like pop-ups of our tasting bar upstairs. We have this big, beautiful terrace. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, come get a cocktail. It's roomy. You can social distance yeah. without feeling like you're social distancing. Okay. We have great cocktails. You can taste our products. That's like the main thing we have going on. Our tours are coming back, et cetera. But in a couple of weeks, we're releasing a new product, <gasps> which is really exciting. I didn't even tell you. You just intuited that I wanted to talk about it. <gasps> I did. Yeah. We're releasing. So we make a bourbon. Well, we make a lot of stuff. Our like flagship products, our core, our core products are a bourbon. Mm-hmm. A rye. Mm-hmm. We're all about to meet the third one, which is a 100% malted rye whiskey. Whoa, what does that mean? So it's a type of grain. It's it's rye grain, which is usually like spicy. It's got like black pepper and cinnamon and some of that like, you know, clove flavor. But it's mm-hmm. been malted, which is a process that you it's a it's a process where you basically like trick a grain into germinating and then you dry it. But the result is a kind of like toastier odier more like refined flavor more polished flavor and so we started making this whiskey it's 100 malted rye whiskey because our consulting master distiller was like this is my favorite whiskey i've ever made and of course our distillers are like we want to make it yeah. you know this was six years ago they're like all right let's try um and we made it and it was great and we were like all right let's make it again it was great so now now wow. we make it all the time but it is okay. six years old which is what's really exciting so all of our products right now are four years old so they're at least four we waited on this one so it's older it's our oldest release to date it's six years old it's 100 percent malted rye it's like rye whiskey but a malt whiskey so it's not smoky or peaty like scotch at all but it's okay. kind of got this like i don't know i i think i wrote in something recently it's like the college cool older cousin oh to the to the rye okay like, i'm like this sounds, I'm, I'm an English major. Like, it's just like a little yeah. bit. <laughs> it's got more patches elegant. on its elbows. It's elegant. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not nerdy. It's just like, it's more graceful. It's like, okay. It's fantastic. It is so good. It's our like in house favorite. So it's getting released just in Kentucky in the spring because um, we just don't have a lot of it yet. But by the fall, it'll be like throughout our distribution network okay. across the country. 
Go to our website for more information. Follow us online is the best way. Can you give us the uh, the official um, day of when we will be able to drink it or go to New Riff and have a taste? Um, no, but okay. I can tell you it's soon. Like the everything will be announced and whatnot in like the next week or two. But like okay. by early June, you'll be able to find it and definitely come taste it at the distillery. Okay, and then to close up here, how do you keep this secret for six years? Like you guys start making all this stuff. Years ago, it's like you started this six years ago. Now you're really excited about it. I'm like, yeah. So for six years, you've just been, this has just been I mean, on this your back. One, this one is not like super secret. You know, like our Rangers, for mm-hmm. a long time before COVID, we did a thing where we would like invite the Rangers in to taste the whiskey. So like they got to taste it when it was one and two and three, like when we weren't public. Who are the Rangers? That like initial club. Ah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Club. So we've like let people taste this whiskey. So the people in the know know it was coming but like there's a lot going on people aren't like obsessed with like what potentially we're going to release down the road okay so i, mean, <laughs> I don't know we're all geeked out about it but like if you came on a tour you would like see a barrel in the rick house it's gotcha. just you know people have short memories like okay, we could have cool. told them and they'd be like Woo-hoo, the next day <laughs> um it's just like not a very common grain it's great you'll come by sometime we'll, we'll drink it you'll oh i can't wait it's it, it's like if you're camping but you want to like then like sleep in a lodge adult camp yes you want to glamp i it's love glamping me some glamping whiskey. it's totally glamping, glamping with, oh dang take the, take the ride to sleep under the stars yes take the malted ride to your like bougie glamping stuff. oh i love this to your like yes. tp with electricity and running water camping okay you know what cool I mean? yes i do awesome <laughs> well on that girl we gotta make a we gotta make a clamping a gamp Oh my gosh, gamping! What's that gonna be? (laughs) A glamping date. So it's my retainer. A glamping date, Hannah. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Always. This is amazing. Y'all can like look up Hannah. Really, just Google Google your name. You're so well known in the bourbon community and also just around here locally. Thank you for everything you do for the community. You do so 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 much. We didn't even really get into any of that today, but we could do that another time. Yeah, have me back whenever. Have you noticed? I like chatting. Yeah, me too. I'm happy to do. As we were chatting, I was like, we should. I should do this more often. This is just wonderful. Oh my god, word! Thank you for having me. And yeah, just any follow us on the socials. Yeah. So how can people find you? At New Riff, Twitter, Insta. Facebook. Our website's newroofdistilling.com, but I feel like our social media is on point. Is where it's, it's at. It's where, it's where to find it. All right. Well, Hannah, thank you so much, Thanks. girl. I could talk, I could talk to you all freaking Me day. Me too. But this I, was, this was so, this is like. I mean, right? She knows what she's talking about. Mama Bear vibes for sure. That's Hannah Lowe. And if you want to know more about New Roof Distilling, just log on to newroofdistilling.com. You can follow them on Instagram and at newroofdistilling. And let me tell you, they are at New Riff, actually. That's just at New Riff. And uh, they're amazing. They're here in Newport, Kentucky. Get on that mailing list. I am not the most amazing bourbon drinker, but I do love this stuff. That's legit. And it makes it even better that they're here, uh, that they're here in the hometown of Cincinnati. But don't worry about it. If you're not in Cincinnati, you can find their bourbon online at newriffdistilling.com and order it all from there. Love you. See you next time.